1991. A new decade is underway. The World Wide Web has gone public. Apartheid in South Africa is crumbling. The Gulf War has begun, starting what I'm sure won't be a forever war between America and the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And most importantly of all, in our nation's capital, Don Stanger has given birth to a little bundle of squawking joy who would go on to change the world by making dumb jokes on a community radio show. Uh That's right. You're listening to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. And this week, yay, yay, we're continuing our series documenting the cinematic landscape during each of our birth years. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger, and tonight it's my turn as we turn the focus to the year I made my grand entrance, 1991. But of course, so long ago. Uh, But of course, I can't do it alone. I'm joined tonight by my childhood best friend, whose severe bee allergy hopefully won't be a problem, Sean Dunham. No. And and a gallant prince trapped in a terrifically furry body, Jeremy Legui. Too dark. Hi, boys. I know. Hello. Hello. I am trapped in a furry body. And I can't see without my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) They they were personalized. Too too (laughs) soon. Honestly, I've cried enough tears over that film that I feel qualified. You have no tears left to cry. I, <laughs> yeah. I, re- I remember being young, and this is another TBS memory. Don't say me, like, Jeremy. Oh. Oh, can they, but, triggered. But, like, I remember thinking, like, can they show this on TV? Like, that was my reaction to it, because it was dark. Yeah. Um, in case <laughs> what, you don't know, don't we're referencing him. the film My Girl. <laughs> you don't show him dying, do they? Uh, no. no it, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, like her, like her reaction casket? to his yeah oh it's yeah awful. her reaction yeah yeah it's it's so yeah anyway yeah anyway so that's a really sad movie if you need to cry <laughs> check out my girl um how you guys doing very good how are you I'm you're good. the most famous Ottawa citizen I know just Aww. trudging trudging along just trudge you know day in and day out wow yeah I mean capitalism <laughs> will do that hey. Here we go. Um, so before I go into a, a little anti-capitalist rant, um, why don't we get into talking about the movies of 1991? Um, yes, please. Did you guys notice any recognizable themes of the the movies that came out this year? Um, I think, and I could be wrong, that in what I will assume is like a, a post-grunge moment, there's just a moment of kind of silliness, maybe. I, I don't know if I'm just, like it. Maybe Google is just giving me what I'm expecting, but like we've got like Father of the Bride, Drop Dead Fred, Hot Shots, like all these weird sort of zany Hudson Hawk. I'll talk about in a little bit, and and like I feel like what about Bob? I'll talk about later. It's just all these crazy movies that like got piled on that are nuts. They are nuts. Mm-hmm. They're crazy. There's a bit of kookiness. There also I was like there's a bit of a jump in horror thrillery types yeah like we got sleeping with the enemy we've got the people under the stairs we have obviously have silence of the lambs cape fear mm-hmm. um you know there's a things there's a few freaky things like that but then also the animated is really stepping its game up and in fact we get a animated movie that is nominated for best picture that year mm-hmm and that- that is, of cor- I was going to say, that's, of course, Dragon Ball Z, Cooler's <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> that is Five Goes West, an American tale. Honestly, could be. That is a classic. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, and I also feel like that there is like a, a lot of like '90s action here. Um, some things I just I didn't even remember were a thing. Like Chuck Norris, do you guys remember that guy? Oh Please my god, he's around. To me. Oh, I'm having flashbacks to 2008, and it's dark. <laughs> Yeah, Sonia looks at her f- hands and sees a mustache tattoo on her finger. Uh, <laughs> I'm wearing sh- a chevron print. It was there the whole time. <laughs> and an infinity scarf. Um, that's interesting because I was going to say, and maybe this kind of fits with yours, Jared, though. I was going to say there's a lot of like darkness and like drama in maybe. my mind. It, like like you have, sorry, go. Well, no, it's definitely here, but I like I. I need well, to even these keep... wacky films are dark. Like Drop yeah. Dead Fred. That is true. I watched Drop Dead Fred this week. That's insane. Yes, it's extremely dark, even though it's wacky. It's Maybe also the... a grueling uh, childhood abuse film. Honestly, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't watch it. I didn't know that. Um... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think maybe the word to capture what I'm thinking is like edge. There's a lot of edge. Yeah. Yeah. Which I wouldn't say is post grunge. I would say like that is grunge. Because also wasn't yeah. grunge still a thing in the 90s? That was when it was a thing. Like this is like, like it should yeah. have been. Yeah. Like when, when was Kurt Cobain active? Um, active. <laughs> <laughs> so, when did we have an active Kurt? When was he active? Um, but I, I think maybe I was just surprised by, like, City Slickers came out this year, Samurai mm-hmm. Cop, like, all of these, like, really, like... So you don't think City Slickers is grunge? <laughs> <laughs> That's really that Crystal's grunge era. <laughs> Ernest but yeah, I don't know. To me, I was Ernest like, there's like, there's, like, a postmodern feeling to it, and I don't know if that's accurate. But I'm like, I, what was, like, I guess, yeah, things were changing in the 90s, like... Mm-hmm. The, you know, the um, Soviet Union was crumbling, like things were really shifting. And I do wonder if it was sort of a moment of like, I don't know, people working with some interesting ideas in film. Um, Yeah, I was talking to Jeremy before because I would say that the last couple of weeks we have we have all kind of made jokes about like, oh, the quality is really going to flop in the 91. And like, honestly, not really. There is some like major classics still. Mm -hmm. It's just kind well, of different. This is my yeah. next question, so let's get oh, into yeah. it. Um, yeah, I guess, like, for me, it feels like it's fewer classics or fewer, like, really iconic ones, but there are still quite a few. So I don't know. What What do you guys think about that? I feel like 91 seems, like, and I agree or not with what I'm about to say, but there are a lot of movies that I love here that maybe aren't objectively the best, mm. right? Like I, like, I think we're getting into, like, VHS is the default, so we're just pumping stuff out, and people are getting, like, their specific thing they're after. Because, mm-hmm. like, I enjoy New Jack City. I don't think it's a good movie, but there are parts of it that I like. For the Boys came out this year. Again, like, it was successful. Like, it wasn't a flop. But I don't think that there's, like, a ton of people besides the three of us who are like, this is a really great movie. And Sean, you've seen For the Boys, right? No. Are With Bette Midler? Wait, your, I must it's have. Your, I, it's your no. favorite movie. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I must have. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, she, she's like, boogie wiggle boogie boy. Yes, kind of 100%. Fun. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm, I, I have this vision in my mind. I must have seen it. 
Maybe. Uh, and it's, I think it's her and James Caan. And like, it is just like a Whoa, great movie. This is a good, that's a good mixture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. We got and Midler it, and Caan, please. Yeah. And it is just like a bunch of good movies, like Adam's Family, that like, I like mm-hmm. a lot. Some other people hate a lot because they were busy watching, I don't know, Silence of the Lambs or any other Cape Fear, like all the other options. But maybe it is like the era of you getting your own stuff to watch at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Yeah, like, there's a lot of ones that people are like, "Oh, this is I watched this every day when I was a kid." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it definitely does feel less like cookie cutter than some of the other years that we've looked at. Mm-hmm. People are taking some swings, mm-hmm. and there's still some really influential filmmaking going on. Yes. I yeah. So, so speaking of which. What 1991 film would you say is the most impactful to this day? I feel like it has to be Silence of the Lambs. Mm. I I mean, I... By Jonathan Demme. You're you're probably right. It's like one of three films ever that have swept all of the top five at their Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. Which is like actor, actress, director... Screenplay and best film, I think. Mm-hmm. So, and like we've discussed it at length on this show before, but it is really incredible. And mm-hmm. like, still things that probably would be different if filmed today, but you know, it's a 30 year old film. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, well, I think, yeah, I think you're right, Sean. And I think like it's, there's definitely like no way. I feel like that just has to be the king. Mm-hmm. But second, like literally second tier in that, like Point Break came out. And I think that was also a very big moment in cinema in a lot of different ways, especially in terms of like what a complicated male relationship can actually look like. That isn't like. Jeremy, are you joking weird. with us? What? you Have you is, not seen Point Break? No. No, is it not like oh my Keanu God. Reeves and Patrick yeah, Swayze it's, are It's surfers? heartbreaking, you guys. It's, oh it's absolutely heartbreaking. Because no I'm gonna idea. spoil I'm gonna spoil point break right now. Well, so uh um but I still can't believe you guys watched it. Anyway, Patrick Swayze's the bad boy and Keanu Reeves is the FBI agent like in to like try and catch him undercover. He's also and, like twenty three, but go yeah, off no, that's, <laughs> yeah. FBI agent. Uh but ultimately, well he would be twenty like he's new. It's this whole thing. Anyway, but ultimately <laughs> he falls in love with him in like not a oh. sexual way. Like what? no, it's it's not that he what just does loves that mean? him. What do you mean? Like the way that, uh, like, I love my best friend. Admiration? Wow, I yeah, thought but... you were going to say us, but okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Who is this other person? Hurtful. We've never heard of I him. haven't drawn those lines yet. Maybe you guys are my what? best friend. I don't know. But um, uh, anyway, yeah, it's great. It's, it's nuts. It's like, huh. it's totally just like a different tone, especially from like literally beside it, The Last Boy Scout, which is just Bruce Willis and a Wayne's brother blowing stuff up. So like, anyway, uh, we gotta watch Point. We gotta watch Point Break. We have to. Because wow. I already watched yeah. a Keanu mo- movie this week. Me I too. And I thought, I and I thought that that one. was gonna. It must be the same one. <laughs> Probably, I would think so. Unless we'll see, he we'll has see. three films this year. That'd be wild. Well, I thought I, what I thought Jeremy was gonna say is like, but obviously the next one has to be Thelma and Louise. Okay, oh, I was. Be, I thought be. he was gonna say either Thelma and Louise or. Since it's Jeremy, maybe like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Maybe did that come out ninety one too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, maybe. I thought just... about. I thought about watching it, and I was like, you know what? 
I don't want to. And I love yeah. myself enough to choose not to. I don't need Quentin in my mind today. <laughs> not Quentin in my mind? Quentin so, in my mind? <laughs> so is it like, I'm just looking at Steven Seagal right now. Anyway, uh, but is <laughs> don't it like... Is focus it the, on him too much. Is it the year of like, maybe it's not the year, but one of the years of like your own 87? Like, is that what this is? Mm. Because I feel like there's my some own huge, private huge 91. Moments. There we go. <laughs> yes, Sonia, you I crushed that to. joke, I dude. That to. was solid. Like that it was, was like you served it up to me on a little platter. Man, God, and now I know that we did watch the same film. Yes, I know. I was like, well, kind of, kind of showing my it. cards here. Um, <laughs> and then I just quickly want to say, like, honorable mention, I would say to Paris is Burning, which mm-hmm. was shown a couple places in like 1990. So it's sort of questionable. Wikipedia says 1991, so I don't know. Um, we'll and obviously that was essential. Um, yeah. okay, the only so... way we'll change our minds is if Wikipedia changes changes the page based off what Sonya just said right now. <laughs> but and... also, we can't be sleeping on Beauty and the Beast. That's also yes. like well... still still in still in, playing in theaters. Well, yeah. I mean, I, okay, I'm ways. confused about this because Disney just um, released this year. This like 30, 30th anniversary version of Beauty and the Beast where there's like all this behind the scenes stuff and they did like a live version that's actually really, really good. I maybe watched it. But the thing is, it says 30th anniversary, but I'm not 30. I'm 31. I'm going to be 32 this year. So that was it just because of the pandemic? I think so. Probably, right? I think that might just be a little little hitch. Yeah. I, could okay. see I hope they gave like a full extra scene to the six eggs lady. The most iconic it, character. It was from in Beauty there. The it was in there. <laughs> I need six eggs. They're too expensive. Iconic line. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it because no time's a wasting. Mm-hmm. Um, what did y'all watch this week? Jerry, you want to go first? I can go first. Uh, I watched. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's zany. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show or not. It still makes me laugh as if it's the first time I'm watching it. Uh, and it's called Pure Luck. Mm. Uh, anyway, it stars Martin Short and Danny Glover. And Danny Glover plays like, a, I think, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe he is a um, like a private detective guy. Anyway, uh, there's a man who is wealthy in the States, and he has a very clumsy daughter. And she oh. goes... <laughs> She goes to Puerto Vallarta and gets lost. So, in an effort to find her, they find uh, Martin Short, who is a very clumsy man. Uh, and Danny Glover <laughs> just follows him to see as, 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 as things happen. And it's like supernaturally, like, so they're, the start of it, they're in, I think I've told the story on the show. They're in this big boardroom and there's like a hundred chairs. And one of the characters breaks a chair and then like puts it back together so it looks normal. And then they tell Martin Short to, like, sit down, and he sits in the broken chair. Like, all this mm. stuff just keeps happening to him again and again. And uh, there's a scene where he gets stung by a bee. It is some of the no. best physical comedy Trigger. I've ever seen. <laughs> That's, it was 91, man. Bees were everywhere. Bees um, are really a problem in 91. <laughs> <laughs> and that was but, way uh, before Murder Hornets. And now we're lauding them. Oh. Absolutely. Anyway, it is just sort of like a Mr. Magoovian-style man... <laughs> Uh, okay, did you coin Magoovian? No, obsessed. don't mind Magoovian. Uh, no, no, Magoovian, you guys, it's not mine. Uh, that's a term by Gerald Saul. Uh, so 
Credit, credit where credit's due. due. Gerald, uh, you're it, a genius. It's amazing. It works perfectly. I use it all the time. Uh, and credit credit to where it is due. Anyway. It really it is a it it really shows you what you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. You, you instantly know. <laughs> it's like almost an automatopoeia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it added to the dictionary. Anyway, um, it's sort of a what's the word like a uh, like a little bit of a crime drama. There's got there's bad guys who are doing nefarious things, and they have to sort of thwart them. Uh, it's really fun, and it is just a really great a really great watch. And uh, I that hope you guys great. I hope you guys can be uh, uh, thrilled at watching your life. Naturally. I, hope we, I mean, I hope we I, also will be thrilled. I find being someone's clumsy daughter quite relatable, so mm-hmm. I'm in. I have a Magoovian streak myself. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, Sean, what did you watch? Okay, I watched a real turd, I gotta say. Ooh. So, um, whenever we're researching John Hughes, a film that always pops up is called Curly Sue, and it's one of John Hughes's like, it's the one that no one ever talks about. <laughs> like, I feel like I know every one of his films. And then I'm like, but what is this Curly Sue? So then it came out in 91. I decided to take the plunge. And it is, so it's about John Belushi and this like child, uh, the eponymous Curly Sue, uh-huh. um, are like sort of grifter, conman, uh, a homeless duo. And they pull, uh, they pull a bit of a con on Kelly Lynch uh, where she hits Jen Belushi with her car and then she takes him into her like beautiful apartment and like fixes them up and gives them money or whatever. And then she figures out that they're kind of common, but then she sort of falls in love with them. And then there's obviously some elitism that they run against where she, they're like, we don't belong here. And she's like, but I love you. And, um, and then, you know what, they eventually end up together, but, the tone is so bizarre because there's some moments of real intensity. Like there's a scene where the main characters are fiercely arguing. She is threatening to phone social services because she's like, "You, this is child abuse. If something happened to you, she would be um, completely screwed. She is not going to school. You are not doing enough as a father. And they're like yelling at each other. It's really intense. She opens a closet door and whacks him in the face. And a big like sound effect like wah, wah, like and he like <laughs> falls flat on his back. Uh. And it's like, what? Why when did why did you do that? There's so many scenes where it's like kind of intense, and then like somebody just falls like on a banana peel or whatever. It's a little bizarre. And there's also a scene where there's like a pretty woman sort of moment where they try to get into this restaurant and they're obviously escorted out when they're in their smelly clothes and then they come back in their rich clothes and they're like in the same maitre d serves them and then john belushi jim belushi a belushi yeah, which, which belushi it's the it's, it's, it's the jim. It's, jim. it's the gym it's yeah. it's the according to jim belushi and he just like punches the maitre d several times in the face and it's sort of played for laughs but it's actually not funny yeah that's <laughs> dark um what else? Oh, Edie McClurg pops in as a receptionist and she does literally the exact same bit from tra- planes, trains, and automobiles. She's on the phone and someone's trying to get her attention and she's just talking to somebody 
vapidly. And then the person is, yeah, trying to get help from her. It's really, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I suggest it. The little girl was cute. She sings a lot, which I thought was kind of bizarre. But then I found out she later won The Voice as an adult. So I guess she likes to sing. She's a Broadway baby. Incredible. Anyway, uh, I don't suggest, gotta say. But I did really want to see what... Mm-hmm. What John was up to mm-hmm. with his little passion project. Well, Sean, honestly, you've done the people a great service because I also was like, should I watch this? It sounds kind of interesting slash, I don't know. And then now I don't have to. So thank you for that. There you go. A man of the people. Um. Okay. Well, I, so I watched one that is undeniably, well, it's actually one of the classics that Jer mentioned earlier. But so you you made it sound like maybe people don't like this movie. So now I'm curious. Um, and that is the 1991 version of The Addams Family, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I thought I had seen. But I think what I've seen previously is Addams Family Values, the sequel. Mm-hmm. You're thinking Values. Yeah. The sequel and honestly, the better one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I. Mm, well, I don't know. There, yeah. There's some like really great character stuff going on in the sequel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a powerhouse uh, there in the sequel. Uh, but we're talking about 91. We're talking about 91. And, like, the thing is, the casting is so impeccable that, like, clearly this laid the foundation for the sequel to be successful. Because you've got Angelica Houston as Morticia, Raul Julia as Gomez, Christina Ricci as Wednesday. You've got Christopher Lloyd as Fester. Or is he? He is. Um, <laughs> and just like, and then like all the rest are just so perfect. Like, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, I mean, I, I could see where criticisms would be because it's it's kind of low stakes, I guess, is one way to look at it. And then also there's some weird pacing stuff where stuff just kind of like happens and then things like resolve but it's not really clear how they resolved or like i i don't know it felt kind of like storylines just like faded in and out a little bit but i had a great time like i mm-hmm. truly enjoyed myself watching it what are I your think, guys uh, i th- i think it's a situation of uh because this is a remake of the 64 show mm-hmm. so you i think what happens is like you have a bunch of people who maybe love the adams family with um what's his name John John Aston, is it is that go the old Gomez I think, mm. um, and like you know it's it's a different thing and it's sort of a fun I think it's like a fixed camera situation, uh, and it's this like crazy show and then it's being what I'm gonna call given the '90s edge as we've discussed, mm. um, which totally totally is what that thing is, um, and like it, that's my entry into the Adams family right like that's mm-hmm. my first viewing of. And I think that's why a lot of people don't like it, because it's remake territory. I could be wrong. I don't know. But um, it's hard to argue against something that's essentially perfect. I mean... Well, this is my problem, (laughs) is that I saw the sequel first, Adam's Mm -hmm. Family Values. And it, unfortunately, is just... It is actually a perfect movie. And it is, I would say, better... Like, Christina Ricci is a couple years older. Yeah. She is really good at this character. These mm-hmm. one-liners are insane. 
the jokes are really funny throughout. Everyone has a lot of great lines. And yeah, and the storyline is just better. There's like, oh, we got Debbie, the iconic Joan uh, Mm -hmm. Cusack. Yes. Debbie is such a good character. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like when I find myself watching the first one, I am like, man, I wish I was watching the second one instead. Yeah, that's fair. I feel I feel like Fester does way better in the first. Like I feel like Christopher Lloyd is like doing doing a lot more. And then I love when they have to move out of the house and go Gomez just breaks down. Like it's the best. That's the I think I think I like the first one more. I don't think I have any problem saying that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um I will say Yeah. And I don't remember if this is also true in the I think it's ninety seven one. Um, maybe it's not that much later. Anyway, in the second that one. That seems a lot later, but yeah. Um, the art direction in this one, like, all, basically all of the design, like, the costume design, the set design, like, all of the design and art elements are just so mm-hmm. top-notch. Like, it looks exactly the way it should in my mind. And I was really digging that, watching it this time. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the the '90s one did a better job because there were I think cartoons, like newspaper cartoons of them, and I think that the '90s did like a better job of like translating that of doing that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I haven't watched. It. Maybe I should watch the show. Like maybe the that's '60s what this show. Was. Yeah, which might be kind of hard to do, but um, yeah, I do feel like I don't know. It is just like absolutely insane, like every single piece of it right like it's just like thing after thing is so nuts and then you get the like (laughs) there you go you get the reaction of like the normal people to it and it's just the it's just the best oh the play come on yeah the play is really good yeah so good it does always end in a in a play which i appreciate (laughs) and like the villain the main villain um like the woman who basically kidnapped fester um Spoiler alert. Uh, and her, like, fake German accent is so funny. Like, she's <laughs> pretending to be a, a German doctor because they're trying to infiltrate the mansion, basically, so that they can get into the vault. Because he looks remarkably like Fester because, spoiler alert, he is Fester. Mm-hmm. Um, and she comes in and she, like, I don't even know if I could do it, but she's like, oh, you must consider. Like, it's so broad, yeah, but, like, that. bad you on purpose. That. Like, it's not. That so well. It's it's a masterwork, honestly. Yeah. In my mind. No, it's super great. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I remember being very confused as a child watching this. Like, like I don't understand. Is he or isn't he faster? And like watching it now, it's like, yeah, he is. But it is <laughs> kind also, of confusing, like, why honestly. Wasn't he, why wasn't he faster? I don't even really remember. He has amnesia, but the timeline yeah. to me is confusing. They really yep. kind of wrap it up quite quickly and. I kind of like that in this case that the movie's like, you know what? That's not that important. Mm-hmm. Like, don't focus on that. Don't listen. Don't look at that. Anyway, um, it's time now for us to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. We will be right back with more 1991 here on Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to talking about the movies of 1991 in just a second. But first, um, you guys know what time it is? Um, it's game yeah. time. What? Wow, 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 wow. 
For those who don't know, or if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend literally one half second this week looking for a title related to our topic that these two have hopefully not seen. I tell them the title, they tell me what they think is about, I tell them what it's really about. We all have a great time. You guys ready to play the game? Yeah! This week's title is The Hard Way. That title again, The Hard Way. The Hard Way. And I will give you a hint, because this is a difficult difficult one, so I'm going to give you a hint. It was made in 91. Oh, thanks, That's a Jared. great hint. That's such That's a good so hint. so good. Okay. I really thought I got my little giggle about it <laughs> out of my system off the air, but I still giggled when you said You've it You've got a set. few gigs left. <laughs> I got some gigs left. Um, Sean, do you know uh-huh. what The Hard Way's about? Yes, I do. I actually do. It is about um, a scientist <gasps> who uh, he invents a really incredible stool softener um, that uh, that he calls um his commercials are very like you could do it the um the easy way or the hard way and so that is sort of his catchphrase and it's just him sort of trying to sell this product and getting beaten down by big pharma and so he has you know he takes it to farmers markets and he's he's really fighting against the man to get his market his product to market taking his product to market and help and help his community. Okay, wow. wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I think that this uh, movie is about a teenage miscreant, a preteen miscreant, who is sent to live with his hard-nosed grandfather for the summer. And there's kind of this common refrain that he has about how, like, kids today are too soft and back in his day, you had to do things the hard way, not instead of always trying to take the easy way. And people were proud of that. And so I think it's just about his antics over the summer, kind of like growing as a person. Then, mm-hmm. you know, there's like some comedic moments of them like butting heads. But then ultimately, I think they both are changed uh, for the better as a result of their time together. And there's some kind of crisis and the kid has to solve it by um, some grit and hard work. True grit. Yeah. Maybe maybe Grandpa has a fall. Yeah, I think Grandpa for sure has a fall. Okay, wow. All right. Thank you Thank you both uh, very much uh, for those suggestions. Thank you. Uh, very and good. last week we each got half, half a point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, making it meaningless. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the finish line moved equally far for both of you. <laughs> and this week we each get how many points? Uh, you're both wrong in all ways, shapes, and forms. Damn <laughs> Um, so I feel like this is a 90s thing, but I'm not really sure. Uh, The Hard Way is a buddy action comedy film, Mm. um, that of course opens with serial killer, the party crasher. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Wait, they call him the party crasher? They do. Like in the newspapers? Oh God. Uh, no, Sean, um, he, he does not have a name. The character's name is the party crasher. There is no name. I mean, that would, that would really wreck your party. Someone showed up and killed It would wreck your party. Well, um, serial killers don't usually go for groups, do they? Uh, well, depends. Depends. Group. depends. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so the hard way is, uh, it's kind of crazy. It is about James Woods, who plays a New York City cop detective guy. And um, he gets saddled with, uh, what's his, the character's name? Michael J. Fox. Is, he plays Nick Lang, who is an actor who is trying to get more serious roles, so he's shadowing him 
to try mm-hmm. and like get better roles. He has an Indiana Jones character that's called uh, Smoking Joe Gun. <laughs> Joe Gun. <laughs> Smoking Joe. Mr. Gun. Smoking Joe Gun. Uh, and it's, Mr. Gun, if you're nasty. It is a 91 Michael J. Fox. Like, it is hilarious. Mm. So, uh, anyway, uh, I won't get into it. Uh, a bunch of stuff happens. It's kind of almost like a four-act, five-act thing, where, like, there's all these sort yeah. of, like, little parts, and you find out about all their lives and their love lives and all these sorts of things. Um, but in the end, uh, well, who knows what happens with um, uh, with Nick Lang and Lieutenant John Moss when they meet up with the Party Crasher. I think you all know, but, uh, but, but I think you should check it out. That's for sure. Um, you guys, thank you for playing the game. Thank Thank you, you. Jer. Mm -hmm. Why was this the, one of the worst films that year or why did Uh, it come out? uh, It did, it it did pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think we could talk about the worst one, but, uh, so I just picked a different fun one. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. Yep. I was just going to breeze through that, but, uh, that's what's up. No, I wanted to get some info. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's get back to talking about the movies that came out in 1991, the year I was born. So a very Mm -hmm. important year. Um, what else did you guys watch this week? Well, I feel like it's time. It's time. That we talk about the film that we might've both seen in private Idaho. Yeah. And what a film. It is, it is a, like, I, I have known of it, and I've seen clips of it before, but I had not watched it in full. This is a, a Gus Van Sant early film, and it was, like, not really that well-received, like, by the queer community at the time, but I feel like people have come ar- around on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about two young hustler boys that are, like, living on the street, making their way, making their way through and all of their friends and cohorts that they encounter. And then one of them is River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix is trying to find his mother or at least some sort of connection to his old life. They are both like, well, Keanu is Keanuing. I have not seen River Phoenix in too many roles before. He is very incredible. Oh, yeah. But it's also like the tinge is pretty it's pretty sad because it's kind of James Deanian in that way. Yeah. Where like you're just like, wow, you were like a star. Mm-hmm. And there's so many lines too where he's just like his character is like, if I was born in a normal family, maybe I could have been normal. And it's like, maybe like this is like kind of real life for you as well. Yeah, well and lots of like, you know, dangerous situations, like using a lot of drugs and yeah, for me, it very much was just like, oh, this feels close to real life in a way that makes it really melancholic and sad. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it before? No, so I never had. Um, it's one of those movies, yeah, that I like knew was a big deal, sort of knew what it was about, but not really. Um, and was just like kind of blown away. Like, because it's very... so. They say that it's like a landmark of like new queer cinema. Like it very much was like an independent film at the time. Um, and it is very like kind of destabilizing at first, I would say. He like switches techniques a lot. Like he uses a lot of different like styles of shooting and even like maybe different mediums. I'm not sure. 
Um, well, and the tone is so, yeah, the tone is so funny because, like, they, characters will deliver, like, Shakespearean monologues that it, you're like, wait, this wasn't in the first 20 minutes. But well, then, yeah, so, yeah, because it's based on, like, yeah. five different things. So it's based on, like, a short story, like, that Gus Van Sant wrote, uh, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a nonfiction book about um, hustlers in Portland, so, like, the exact people who are in the film. And then it's parts of it are loosely based on Henry IV, Part One and Two, and Henry V from Shakespeare. So, like, yeah, in the middle of the movie, or not the middle, but, like, partway through the movie, they're just suddenly speaking in verse, like, modified Shakespearean mm-hmm. verse, some of which comes directly from the plays. Um, and then that goes away, and, yeah, so, but, but like, so moving and like you said river phoenix is i mean both of them are so good um yeah jerry have you seen it but, but, I yeah a long time ago uh but i remember being good and like sad uh because i mean yeah the ending i think stands out pretty hard I the ending know. is really brutal yeah and um, uh I, yeah well i don't know i just remember it feeling like like, I immediately have feelings of dread just because of how it ended, probably. Uh, and I don't think, I don't know. I didn't, I obviously didn't watch it in 91. But um, when I did watch it, it did just like, it was like a pretty big gut punch. Yeah. Yeah, because so. River Phoenix's character has narcolepsy. So he will just sort of go out and Keanu Reeves will just protect him until he wakes up again. And that's been their thing through the whole thing. And then, and also River is in love with Keanu, but Keanu Mm -hmm. is just like, does like pulls tricks to like get money. And he's like, it's not really a, like, that's not really my vibe. And, um, and then Keanu's like, I inherited money at 21 and now I'm going to go leave you. So check you later and be in a straight relationship. And it's brutal. Well, yeah. Campfire scene. (laughs) Oof. That's kind of like the central tension of the whole thing. It's like um, River Phoenix's character, Mike, is like actually, you know, down and out, like doing this to survive. Whereas Keanu's character is the son of the mayor and like is kind of just pretending to be living this life in a way. Like he sort of Mm -hmm. is like slumming it and then, yeah, abandons Mike. Um, But spoiler alert, in the script, it makes it clear that that is actually Keanu picking him up at the end so like at the very end um oh yeah at the very end mike's like totally down like down and out wandering on an idaho road um falls asleep but he i mean the way they depict narcolepsy is like not what narcolepsy actually is like he kind of has a seizure every time it's i don't know Uh it's more dramatic for sure but so yeah he's like lying on the road and then this car like these two guys drive up in a truck steal his shoes and his bag and drive away and then it like pans out and we see just like a car pull up a man get out and pick him up and put him in the car but so according to the script that is keanu who's like come to get him oh because there's so much there's so much text before that throughout the mill the film where mike is like he's like concerned that people are going to use his body like when he's asleep Mm -hmm. and keanu's like no, like I would never let that do mm-hmm. people do that. And so then I was like, well, Keanu's not here, and so then someone's going to do that. Mm-hmm. But 
maybe this is a happier ending than I expected. Yeah, yeah no, I, I thought it was bleak, bleak, bleak. Yeah, I always just assumed that it was like his worst fear. Like I like, I literally thought that was the whole the whole gist. Well, and and it, now, I guess like officially, it's kind of up to the viewer's interpretation. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where like that's not explicit from the text of the film. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's really interesting. So, so something I think that's interesting about this movie is that it d- very much is like a cult queer classic now. Um, Gus Van Sant, the director, is gay, but of course River Phoenix was not. I mean, there's some speculation about some of his activity and whether he was maybe bisexual, but like officially he was straight. Um, But this is maybe like the one case where you will ever hear me say, I am okay with this straight actor playing gay because of just like the absolute depth and tenderness he brought to the role. And he actually is the one who came up with that campfire scene where he professes his love for Keanu. Um, and it just, I don't know, it's just heartbreaking. Like, for me, it works. Mm-hmm. That scene is intense. And that line of just like, like, I feel like I could love someone without them even paying me. And like, oh my God. And Keanu's also like, okay like yeah, <laughs> I feel well, like he does not r- receive that he's like oh, right. i don't know but, i think he does because then he's like come here and he like lets him fall asleep in his lap and i actually think it's kind of debatable whether or not keanu's character reciprocates the feelings like he's obviously not able to admit that to himself but to me that didn't look like unrequited love to me but i don't know it's complicated um also i want to talk about the the f- filmmaking technique he uses when people Mm. have sex Mm -hmm. where it's just like a bunch of tableaus just like frozen tableaus like interspersed together super brightly lit and like clinical feeling yeah like like photo it's like photos basically but Mm. they're they are slices of film of just them switching positions and like being in different acts i don't know it was like it was a little jarring but it also was like kind of an interesting way to show to show that it, the act was happening yeah i, I, I thought it was it. super interesting i know i i kind of like don't know exactly what it means really because so it's used both when they are both having sex with this like older rich man for money and then also when keanu's character is having sex with ostensibly his like love interest and so it was interesting to me that it wasn't like just reserved for like sex for money um yeah yeah because i was like maybe this is the way like this is them sort of remembering because it's just like you block some out or like it's a bit of a flash like a flashback of something you just like wish didn't happen or whatever but it happens during keanu's like very enthusiastic consensual heterosex that he has later so Mm -hmm. who knows yeah but yeah definitely so many moments of like filmmaking choices that will stick with me for a long time. Uh, I think um, what year was Fight Club? Because didn't Fincher like draw on that for Fight Club? I thought that was mm. a thing. Because uh, he does the same thing with Mar- Marla, and like it is like a thing of like he doesn't know who he was in the moment, so that's why it's abstracted. And mm. uh, now I'm kind of like sweating a bit about like. <laughs> It, it is weird to put a guy in not the trunk of a car, but the passenger seat of the car if you're not doing something nefarious. You know, like, I'm rethinking this whole thing. In a good way, though. It's like the one bright it's, 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 it's literally making me uncomfortable. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. God, 
Well, it's just like I have to now. I have to revisit this whole thing. I'm, I'm going to have to call some people. <laughs> call Gus. Call that. Call Gus and find out. Um, <gasps> Jer, what? What but else yeah, did you? I can see. Oh, wait, sorry, I no. can see pieces of this. I'm just like I'm thinking of like Romeo and Ju- like Baz Luhrmann's like Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. It's just like it felt like it. It was a bit of a. I feel like filmmakers got inspiration from this. I think so. Oh yeah. yeah. And it was like the uh, blueprint that like all kinds of tropes that are now tropes and like people are critical about in queer film in terms of like the gay angst and like a bunch of it. But it's like this was like the blueprint for a lot of that, I think. Mm-hmm. And the sort of segments of like, you know, and like when Harry met Sally, when they just interview random people and are talking about like the first time they met or like love stories or whatever they have the same with like random hustlers that they hang out with but them like usually recounting some sort of tragic piece of their past yeah traumatic like just to the camera and those apparently were real hustlers from portland as well oh really yeah so some like real cinema verite moments Mm -hmm. as well so yeah like just a wild film i think i'll probably watch it again because there's so just so much. Yeah, there. I I watched it pretty much the start of this week, and I'm still sort of rolling it around mm-hmm. in my head. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we can we can move on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we had a lot to say. In our usual way, uh, now for something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is it. Always, I should always go first with the funny, weird, quirky thing, and then we'll talk about the sad thing. Like we should always make sure we we do that. Anyway. Um, I do want to talk about uh, catching the excitement, catching the adventure, and of course, catching the hawk, uh, which is... Uh, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> 91's uh, uh, Hudson Hawk, starring Bruce Willis. Uh, it's a comedy action film. It is essentially the complete opposite of what we have just been talking about in every way, shape, or form. I Bruce Willis throw... doesn't give a tender a tender performance? Uh, he kind of does, but not in the way that is except... No. A tender, uh, vulnerable <laughs> performance? I, I will also just say, uh, as, like, a thing that, like, I am now, like, when I see it, I am just embarrassed by it. Because there are a couple of moments where, like, like uh, you know, queer people are used as slurs and stuff in this. And it's so incredibly casual that, like, it is just a different world. And there are a lot of things that, like, I like and appreciate about this and other things. And it is just like, oh, man. Like, really, yeah. we, like, I it feel is like funny. you forget about it. Like, this revisit of time. Like, I don't know if I met when I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I guess, mm-hmm. in the 87 one. Yeah. There's, like, a scene where they, you know, one thinks the other one's dead. And then they hug each other when they're, like, pleased to see each other. And then they just both yell out the F word. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, Whoa. It's mm-hmm. pretty. It's a pretty casual time, mm-hmm. but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the reason uh, that we save the game is that I love this movie to death, but it is one of the biggest failures financially of '91. <laughs> uh, um, I watched it joyfully, uh, gleefully, but I wanted to. I wanted to have a bit more about it than the game because I, I think it's crazy fun and super weird. So, um, Bruce plays Hudson Hawk who is like a safe cracker cat burglar um, who just gets out of jail and his buddy picks him up and uh, they immediately have to go to a job because a bunch of like criminals are like waiting for him to grab something. Uh, this is, you guys got to hold on because this is going to get nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> just like, like, I'm sorry. Hold on to uh, okay. Anyway, it's revealed that he's stealing the statue of a horse that Da Vinci made 
not because it's precious and worth a lot of money, but because inside there is one of three parts that are needed to make Da Vinci's machine that will change gold or lead into gold. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Alchemy? Yeah. <laughs> it's, this I'm sort not of even... alchemic... Yeah, 100%. Uh, yes. It opens... The opening scene is like a 10-minute thing of Da Vinci in his lab when he was alive making the machine. Like, I'm not even... It's not a joke. That's what it is. Anyway, um, Andy McDowell plays the love interest who is what I will call a spy nun. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's not what I expected you, don't hear. you to that's say. That's a trope you don't hear no, all no, the time. Yeah. And uh, she works for the Vatican uh, as like a an agent uh, to stop to stop and affect people. Uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhard play the villains. Those uh, are the gayest villains ever. Yeah, they do. They're they're a husband and wife. Uh, <laughs> it's cra- It's they are insane. Like they are absolutely nuts. Um, Honestly, James, this makes me want to watch. Yeah, it's always oh, so good. James, Coburn's give me back that Da Vinci statue. Oh my! <laughs> oh god! You guys have no idea. Uh, they do a, like a lot of slapsticky fun things. There's a lot of like interesting cuts. Like at one point, they like escape from the the first heist by jumping out of a um, like I don't know a twenty story building. Like they're so high. And then the cut is actually cutting to him landing in a chair back at the place where they planned it. Like, he, like, it's so crazy. Um, he gets knocked out every scene. Like, at the end of every scene, he's pretty much knocked out for whatever reason. Uh, All that head trauma? No. Well, well, sometimes with chemicals, sometimes with a bunk on the noggin, sometimes it's a blow dart. It's great. <laughs> um, there's this really good moment where uh, Danny, Danny Aiello plays his, like... Uh, partner or mentor and he kind of gets brought into the fold and uh, they get darted so they're frozen from the neck down and then all these bad guys pose them like really fancy <laughs> and they're trying to like fight them with their mouths it's it's weird it's so strange it's so funny there's some jokes that i remember thinking were so good that don't land now and other jokes that i think land really well andy mcdowell does an impression of a dolphin that's really solid. Wow. <laughs> I did not expect you to say that either. Everything you say is not like uh, sentence to sentence won't make sense. Yeah. Anyway, it's just this absolutely zany uh, thing. It's really fun. And if you can like look past the couple really stupid parts, it's just a solid hundred minute thing. Uh, and I really love it. And it still makes me laugh, even though it's kind of a low point for the for year. all of the actors. You <laughs> got, honestly really Razzie? sold me on it. Did it get a Razzie? Three Razzies, including Worst Picture. Wow. Um, yes. But um, it internationally got $80 million. Yeah, $17 million in the US and then $80 million outside. Uh, but uh, I the think Razzies it's so great. Rude. I think it's so great, you guys. Such a good, such a solid movie. Um, they, uh, they always have to like because they're like it's it's weird because they're cat burglars and it's before the internet so they don't wear masks or do anything to like they just get away and then they're good but uh, they have to time things out and they do it using songs so they'll like sing swinging on a star as they rob things so that they know where they're at time wise they'll <laughs> sing a cappella I thought you yeah they it's, would play it's, the song there's a there's a music there's a musical accompaniment uh, for the film it's great it's crazy. You should watch it. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like Comic-Con. I will. 
when when spoiler alert has their our film festival which yeah. i'm sure is coming yeah. our, an entire weekend of programming mm-hmm. i think that we'll find this one pop up yeah. uh this wednesday my own private idaho uh, <laughs> t- with hudson hawk yes whiplash uh you'll cry that, you'll laugh that's a good double feature that it might be a good double feature yeah um okay so. does anyone have a movie they want to talk about in literally like one minute one to two minutes i can do a one on drop dead fred yeah, yeah. Yes. i had not seen drop dead fred before but my roommate in university loved it it was like one of her favorite movies and uh so i didn't really know what i expected when i watched it but it's basically phoebe cates has this imaginary um friend when she was a child and her mother is extremely controlling. And as punishment one day when, because Drop Dead Fred will like do the things. And she'll be like, it was Drop Dead Fred that like did this insane thing. And then so her mom, like somehow the Phoebe was like, oh, he's in the like, he jumped in this box. And then her mom like taped the box up in duct tape and like stored it away. And it was very, and so then Drop Dead Fred was just trapped. Uh-huh. But then Phoebe Kate's move has to move back home after losing her job and her husband all in one go for some reason. And then she opens up the box and drop dead Fred comes back to her (gasps) and causes her extreme anguish uh, and makes everyone think she's completely insane. And he like looks up her mom's skirt and sinks her friend (laughs) Carrie Fisher's boat. And it's just like, honestly, he's wreaked havoc. And I don't really know the point of it. He doesn't really teach her. I guess he teaches her to have fun. Yeah, I think it's like a thing that like, uh, like, the mom kind of wins in terms of like having her control herself and not be fun and pursue what she'd like to, and then that and I, leads yeah. her down a bad line. And then when she gets Fred back, it kind of like helps her to like break out of this and kind of be herself. Uh, he does help save her from her literally extremely abusive mother. Yes. So maybe that's the vibe. Yeah, I think yeah. that's, I think that's the whole thing. And like Rick Mayall who plays dropped at Fred is crazy. And there is a point in this movie where Fred steps in poo. Yeah. And then does a handstand to make sure he doesn't waste the poo. And then walks all over the mom's white couch. And it is incredible. Like, it is something. Um, wow. And I don't know what movie magic they use to make that happen, but it is crazy. Well, that feels like the perfect note to go out on. <laughs> <laughs> so, hand, hand stands and poo. Uh, so, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, all the thanks to Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, to my co-hosts, Sean and Jeremy, to everyone at CJTR, and to you, our beloved listeners, for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Fridays uh, at 3 p.m., and is available as a podcast on CJTR's website and anywhere else you get your podcasts. My electric is coming up next. Have a great week. Bye. See ya. Bye.